Titans, and welcome back to another episode of Teen Titans Wasteland. I'm Hub, and I like talking about the Teen Titans. It's a good time for me. Hope you enjoy some of it as well. Like a lot of people lately, I've been thinking about Muhammad Ali a lot. He's an amazing individual, incredibly gifted boxer, just so much fun to watch footage of him in the ring, and even more fun to watch footage of him out of the ring, just such a charismatic and entertaining person, and so brave and wonderful, and the world is definitely a sadder place being without him. There is this, though. The whole float like a butterfly and sting like a bee, his fist can't hit what his eyes can't see, that is beautiful. But do you know what else floats like a butterfly and stings like a bee? A bee. He could have just said, float like a bee and also sting like a bee. Or even, you know, I'm a lot like a bee doesn't really have the same cadence and you know who am i to criticize the man's poetry or frankly anything about the man he beat the shit out of superman in possibly my favorite comic book ever now nobody dressed up like an old balloon vendor in it but superman versus muhammad ali is amazing and if you haven't read it really do yourself a favor and check it out it's great anyhow let's get on to the synopsis shall we Today's synopsis song is submitted by Brad Reed. A dry German hug or a wet French kiss? Show some affection for the synopsis. Thanks, Brad. Brad and actually Osvaldo both submitted some synopsis rhymes that didn't use the word synopsis, that used instead a synonym. Uh, I believe in Osvaldo's case it was summary, and in Brad's case it was précis. Ah... I really like that, and I really appreciate getting them, but I banged my head against the wall so many times trying to come up with rhymes for synopsis. I feel like it does have to be the word synopsis. Sorry. I feel like a dick. They're really good rhymes. Teen Titans, number 42, December 1972. Written by Bob Haney, drotted by Art Saff, with inks by Nick Cardi. Slaves of the Emperor Bug. Teen Titan Roll Call, Wonder Girl, Mal, Kid Flash, Lilith, Speedy, Robin. The Titans are out exploring the country on an ecology field trip when they decide to attend a local auction. Because what else would you do on an ecology field trip? Wonder Girl is super into this necklace with a golden beetle-shaped pendant that everybody insists on calling a brooch. You know what, guys? Brooch wouldn't have a fucking chain on it for wearing around your neck, because it would have a pin on it so you could attach it to your clothing. Fucking amateurs. Anyway, some Captain Kangaroo-looking dude is outbidding Donna, so it looks like she's going to be out of luck on getting that definitely not a brooch. Suddenly, some weird old hobo carrying a stick in a giant bag shows up out of nowhere and pays $100 to buy the bug-shaped bauble for Wonder Girl. The Amazonian teen is grateful, but confused. The local town folk explained that her benefactor was none other than Johnny Carpetbag, a rich old hobo who goes around town buying shit for people. Oh, a rich old philanthropic hobo. That explains everything. That night, Lilith starts getting some weird vibes from Donna's new jewelry and hurls the necklace out of the window of their hotel room. Before Lilith has a chance to explain the apparently unprovoked defenestration, the two teens are distracted by the fact that the stone lion in the courtyard has started telling them a story. Okay, so it's going to be one of those issues. Lilith worries that they might be hallucinating, which is actually a pretty reasonable suspicion, Lilith. Do you guys encounter any mysterious balloon vendors today? It turns out that the lion isn't actually talking to them. It's just that the bug-shaped pendant landed in the lion's mouth, and the bug is talking to them. The magic talking knot brooch shows them an image of a gold-skinned Conan the Barbarian-looking dude locked in combat with a giant salamander. Sweet. The bug explains that he is really the metallic Conan guy, and that thousands of years ago he lost a fight to a giant salamander named Mordron. After defeating him, Mordron turned him into a little bug, turns the little bug into jewelry, and banished the jewelry bug from his home. The bug-slash-ensorcelled warrior has been waiting this whole time to find the special warrior woman who can return him to his home and reverse the sorcery that kafkaed him, shrunk him down, and turned him into a necklace. He's pretty sure that Wonder Girl is that special warrior woman he's been waiting for. He tells the girls that to find the location of his ancient home, they need to hold the necklace over the globe and spin it. He will magically stop the globe when it is directly over the right spot. Okay. Or he could, you know, just tell them where to go, seeing as he can talk and all, but whatever. Yeah, do the globe thing. 
Just hope you happen to magically guess the proper latitude to hold it over before you start spinning. After giving them the instructions on how to use his magically imprisoned form as a shitty divining rod, the bug stops talking and turns back into jewelry. He never does get around to telling them, or us, his name, so I'm just going to go ahead and call him Gregor Samsa. The gals are on board with Gregor Samsa's quest, and the next morning they approach their male counterparts and try to convince them to help out as well. The male titans are skeptical, and also super sexist about it, but eventually agree to try out the globe-spinning thing. The globe abruptly stops right when the pendant is hovering over the Yucatan Peninsula. Mal and Speedy still aren't convinced, but then the pendant starts yelling at them and tells them to go, so they're like, fine, I guess it's magical after all, and pack up to head off on a jungle adventure. Hooray. Although again, seems like if Gregor Samsa could talk, he could have just told them to head for the Yucatan in the first place. Fucking Gregor. When we next catch up with our teen heroes, they have borrowed a boat from their mentor, Mr. Jupiter, the richest and therefore most trustworthy man in the world. The boat is basically just a thatched hut on the deck of a hydrofoil, and the Titans are using poles to guide it down a river. Turns out that Wally should have picked up some tips from Mal, the self-described pro-pole jockey. Might want to consider rephrasing that, buddy. Because the junior speedster goofs up and accidentally pole vaults into the middle of the river. The other Titans all start laughing at what a doofus Wally is. Then they stop laughing because a giant caiman crocodile bites the shit out of Wally's leg and drags him under the water. Damn. Bet they feel like dicks for laughing. Fortunately, Kid Flash is able to use his super speed to escape the prehistoric predator, and Speedy shoots it in the head. Wally's leg is super fucked up, and Robin thinks they should abandon the quest and try to get their teammate to a doctor. Which seems like a reasonable plan. Then Wonder Girl starts crying, so Wally insists that he'll be okay, and they should keep going. That night, a conflicted Wonder Girl is unsure what to do. Then Gregor chimes in and tells her to sneak off on her own and continue the quest without her buddies. What? No, Wonder Girl, you never split the party. Gregor is starting to seem like a real prick. The Amazonian teen follows the idiot bug's advice and sneaks off on her own. A jaguar attacks her, so she strangles it, which I guess is now her default setting when it comes to felines. During the attack, she drops the necklace slash Gregor. Then a fish eats it. Then an eagle flies off with a fish. Then she gets bitten by a poisonous snake. And that, Wonder Girl, is why you never split the party. Even if... No, you know what? Especially if a magical talking bug tells you to. Fucking Gregor. Fortunately, Lilith's psychic powers tell her to tell Speedy to shoot the eagle that is carrying the fish that ate the necklace out of the sky. So, so far, the Titans have killed a caiman, a jaguar, and an eagle. Sheesh. Didn't they learn anything on that ecology field trip? Actually, despite his best efforts, Speedy only wings the eagle and makes it drop the fish it was holding. A pragmatic Mal figures, hey, free fish, and starts carving it up for dinner, when the shitty old Gregor Samson necklace starts yelling at him from inside the fish. Fucking Gregor. Lilith once again uses the necklace as a divining rod and manages to locate an unconscious snake-bitten Wonder Girl. The Titans have a pretty crappy night on the thatched hut hydrofoil, and an even worse morning when they realize that someone, I'm looking your way, Gregor, tampered with their engine and cut their anchor line. The Titans, well, except for Wonder Girl who is still asleep, are shocked to find their boat drifting into, wait for it, a giant gaping mouth of an enormous horned skull-shaped cave. Oh no! Also, hooray! Lilith senses that this place must be Gregor's home, and they carry Wonder Girl inside. Suddenly, something weird and creepy happens off-panel that horrifies the quintet of conscious crime fighters. But we don't get to see what it is. Bummer. Now, I can't believe I'm about to say this given what's happened so far. But here's where shit gets weird. When Wonder Girl finally awakens from her snake-inspired snoozing, she finds herself in the Skull Cave, accompanied by an unexpected companion. That rich old hobo from the beginning of the story, Johnny Carpetbag. He explains that he is not just a typical rich old hobo, but a rich old hobo wizard who is the servant of good old Gregor. Johnny has some news for Donna. Her efforts have broken Mordron's curse and returned Johnny's boss to his original form. Don is delighted and rushes to meet the recently ensorcelled prince, but is in for a bit of a surprise. You see, Gregor fudged a few of the details. Turns out that instead of a handsome Conan-looking warrior who got turned into a tiny gold beetle, he is actually a nine-foot-tall gold beetle that got turned into a tiny gold beetle. Whoops. Oh, and he has spun cocoons of unbreakable silk around the other titans, and now he wants to eat them and marry Donna. Damn it, Gregor. Not cool. Also, also, it turns out his name is Lord Beetle. 
but I'm going to go ahead and keep calling him Gregor Samsa anyway. Fuck you, Gregor Samsa. Donna is somewhat less than enthusiastic about her would-be suitor and runs off into the cave. She finds a pit that contains the skeleton of a giant salamander. Hey, wonder if that has anything to do with that Mordron guy that Gregor and Johnny are always talking about. Turns out it is Mordron, and for a skeletal amphibian, he's a pretty good guy. He tells Donna to grab the awesome double broadsword that's sticking out of the wall and use it to free her buddies. Thanks, Mordron Skeleton. Johnny Carpetbag shows up chasing Donna with a torch as though he were some kind of Transylvanian villager instead of a rich old hobo wizard. But Donna trips him and he falls into Mordron's pit. Huh. Mordron's pit would be a pretty good name for an old Atari game. If any of you guys are coming out with a new old Atari game and need a name, feel free to use Mordron's pit. Wonder Girl uses the awesome double sword to cut her teammates free and hurries them back aboard the hydrofoil. Giant evil Gregor Samsa is hot on their trail and is about to overtake them when suddenly, Salvation comes waddling out of the depths of the cave in the form of a giant salamander named Mordron. Turns out that the flame from Johnny Carpetbag's torch revived Mordron and fully restored him to his original form. Donna tosses Mordron his dope-ass sword, and the salamander and giant beetle start tussling something fierce as the titans make their escape. As soon as the thatched hut hydrofoil clears the skull cave's mouth, Mordron uses some kind of special lightning magic to blow the whole place up, presumably destroying both combatants and Gregor's rich evil wizard hobo butler. Hooray! I mean, bummer about Mordron, but still, hooray. A few days later, the Titans are strolling around New York and talking about how cool Mordron was, that Gregor was an asshole, and that if there's one thing they're sure of, it's that they're both gone forever. Or are they? No, just kidding, they're totally gone forever. I mean, we see a beetle-shaped pendant in a jewelry store window that's supposed to imply that a certain magical giant beetle who has a rich evil wizard hobo for a butler isn't really dead, but don't worry, he totally is. And joining us once again is my good-for-many-things brother, Corey. Corey, how's it going? It's going pretty good. It's a little bit warm today, which is nice, I'm not complaining, but... Uh... Uh... It's it's a, it's unusual for this time. I'll of go ahead and complain for you. It was over 100 degrees today. That's fucking hot. Well, we're enjoying this delicious weird beer. Yeah, that's true. I got a weird beer. It's got watermelon and lime in it. It's growing on me. Mm, could be worse. That's true. It mm-hmm. could be near beer that had watermelon and lime in Did it. Did you ever try and get drunk on near beer when you were a kid? Did they have that? No, when they had it. Were... They had it when I was a kid. I I never uh I I never had that particular prank or i drank four of them as a young person did you believe that you were drunk at the time uh i don't think so i don't recall okay i felt you're probably too wasted oh yeah (laughs) i have convinced myself that i was altered when in retrospect i was probably not oh i'm sure i did some of that too i don't know that i (laughs) want to get into the details of that but yeah it happens all right well then let's get into the details of something else what'd you think of the issue weird Dude, so this is the 42nd issue of the Teen Titans regular series, and we've covered three additional stories that were in either the Brave and the Bold or Showcase, mm-hmm. and then I've done an additional three of uh, that that you were not there for. Mm-hmm. So of these, I guess, 48, 49 issues, it sounds odd to say it, but I think this might be the weirdest one. There's certainly a few that stand out that are... I guess thematically weird in similar ways to this. Mm-hmm. Um, the Zokatan one. Um, the has... Zokatan one didn't have this degree of just bizarreness to it. I think the reason that it's ringing a bell for me is the whole like uh, Yucatan, Yucatan, Zokatan. Yeah. 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 Okay. Um, what What other? What would you say is the weirdest issue we've done so far? Man, the one that we covered not too too long ago with well, okay, the the creepy uh, Dog Island one. What Dog is? Island one was creepy, but wasn't just as... Because this issue is a bizarre mix of goofy weirdness and creepiness. And the Dog Island one, it was creepy and it was unsettling, but mm-hmm. it didn't it didn't have that just foot to the floor, full steam ahead, weird shit. Every page, new weird shit. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I, I, I don't know, I almost feel like I'm conflating weird things that have happened in different stories with it like like smashing them up into yeah. into one story okay well what's the what's the super weird story that you've concocted in your brain oh well the one where they they take that time travel acid and 
That would be the one that I think would be in contention with this one. Okay, and Flash is good at shooting arrows. Flash is good at shooting arrows. The 70s never happened, but then if they did, they had dinosaurs or something. Yeah, and we bring Ganark back. Ganark comes back. So it's over two issues, but it is a continuous arc, so I will will grant you that is certainly in contention. Mm -hmm. But... The hallucinogenic balloons one, too. The hallucinogenic balloons one was a weird issue, and it was definitely weird, and I loved it. It's it's definitely my favorite one. But it was weird in a way that wasn't like... It all kind of made sense. Now, <laughs> sense in a way that, you know, I don't know why he dressed up like a balloon vendor to get to dose them, but if you dose somebody with hallucinogenic drugs, these things might happen. Well, they're not going to take the balloons if you're not wearing your balloon vendor... Coke. Right, you're right. You got to commit to it. Yeah, yeah. No, you're right. Don't that, want to that's... scare the kids off. <laughs> no, you know. or you want to scare them off in an appropriate way. Well, yeah. I mean, after they take the balloon, right? And then you're like, get out of here. Blue. Hi. <laughs> you sure you don't want to buy more balloons? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, just soup to nuts. This whole story so fucking weird. The shrinking beetle that pretends he's a golden warrior who got shrunk down to the size of a beetle but really he's just mm-hmm. a and he got shrunk down and then turned into a beetle but really he's just a giant beetle that got turned into a smaller beetle mm-hmm. and he's also uh, some kind of an evil demon lord mm-hmm. and his nemesis who is a giant salamander mm-hmm. who has a sword and also it's funny that his human minion is a extremely wealthy hobo named Johnny Carpetbag yep. who travels the country going to yard sales. <laughs> One of those wealthy hobo wizards who travels the world. Weird. Yeah. The Titans do a fair amount of world traveling in this one too. They start off their adventure for some reason. We don't know where they are. This story there's no reason the story couldn't have taken place anywhere, mm-hmm. but it is told to us that they are on an ecology field trip. I thought and they were are camping. Like camping in the woods, maybe, but they went into town to attend an auction and try to buy a brooch that Wonder Girl really wanted. Yeah, I thought they were just camp, like on a camping trip, and Robin was like, "I have to take soil samples." And well, he said they're on an ecology field trip. Maybe that's what he calls camping. <laughs> I bet it is. <laughs> there is one point where I, I didn't enter it into my favorite dialogue, but. It is funny whenever anybody addresses Robin when he is in his civilian guise because he's being kind of a dick. And his, and, name, is dick. And his name is Dick. And so Wonder Girl says something like, You've been awfully quiet, Dick. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, oh man. I bet that never gets old for the other Titans. Mm-hmm. Okay, so... Poor Wonder Girl. <sighs> keeps getting possessed in one way or another. Jeez. And every time she does... Girl fucking strangles a cat. Oh, that was cool on this issue. <laughs> it was cooler than the first time she did. Yeah, certainly But she was. strangles a jaguar and just tosses it aside. Mm-hmm. Do you Which, know what's interesting about that? What? Is that... Um, she didn't make a, uh, a jaguar noose for it first? That was interesting also, but that, yeah, she just, she put it to sleep and let it float off. But the way that she choked it looked a lot like um, the choke that you see in MMA or jujitsu a lot, the rear naked choke. Oh. And the reason they call it that is because you... Um, you don't need a fabric or cloth from somebody's shirt. You just use your arm to shut off the carotid arteries and put them to sleep. But in uh, in Portuguese, um, in Brazil, sometimes they call that the mataleao, which means like a lion killing choke. Oh. So she put the jaguar wow. to sleep with a lion killing choke. That that was a fun little joke in there that that I didn't get. It Very might nice. Not have been a thing. I don't. No, think, I don't think. It I don't was think on he's a jujitsu guy. But it's tough to tell. He he may be. <laughs> yeah. So why do you think Lilith didn't like? Clearly, at the beginning of the story, Lilith senses that the brooch is evil. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Because she tosses it out the window, and then it turns into a tiny little golden warrior who fights a salamander. But he lands in a, a lion statue's mouth, which makes which, everybody think the lion statue is speaking. Right. Clever. Yeah. Little weird trick for no reason, Mr. Haney. Thank you. A lot of weird little tricks for no reason in this. Keeping it weird. The horned, skull-shaped cave that their thatched hut on a hydrofoil drifts into <laughs> because it was sabotaged to do so yes but mystically sabotaged by a whole johnny carpet bag ah oh, man <laughs> that <laughs> that wealthy evil wizard hobo that old <laughs> chestnut again so why do you think so initially lilith senses that it's evil and then she just i guess decides that because it makes a lion talk it isn't w- what do you think was going on with that mm. 
I think she just wants to. Wonder Girl is like super committed to this course of action. Of I, she, I have to and rescue just this wants golden to be, warrior. And Lilith just wants to be supportive. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. And it's just like, okay, well, I got a weird vibe at first, but you know, we're gonna trust Anna on this. And okay, I'm not saying that the other Titans are wrong to resist going on this adventure. Clearly, it was a bad idea. They were duped by a recently, well, a formerly giant, Bug. now tiny evil bug mm-hmm. into doing this but they are straight up dicks about it mm-hmm. the way that they disbelieve her and it's like well we just have your word to go on it and then they're like Lilith's like hey I was there too I heard this shit and they're like yeah but you're both women and you haven't had any boys to make out with yeah oh man so you Roy plays that card I bet that's his ace and like he uses that every fucking time yeah but but Donna I think it was Donna who was just like came back at him pretty hard about being like, a chauvinist yeah boy chauvinist yeah 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 but I mean yeah good call Donna he he was mm-hmm. that wasn't cool but even Robin is who's supposed to be kind of the voice of reason in this is still like, well, Lilith's half-witch. That's not the first time this has come up, and there has not been anything to support it. Like, it's not said like... They don't even know who her parents are. Yeah, she's been looking for her parents, and so to say, like, well, she's half-witch, that's got to be kind of rubbing some salt in the wounds. And also, is what does that mean? Is witch a, a vocation? Is it a ethnicity? Is it I, a... It's tough to tell. Protected class? Like, what I, is... <laughs> I don't understand. But it is a protected class, isn't it? A magic user? <laughs> no, I meant like at work. Like, oh, okay. Like, we don't have enough witches. Like, oh, yeah, it could be. I'm, mm. I'm, I'm really not sure. But he doesn't present it in that way. Mm. It, it's, it's said in a way that is both just like very offhand and also very dismissive of Lilith, which I did not appreciate. Mm. You want to talk about uh, Kid Flash's leg injury? Oh, man. He does a kind of a bad job in this... No, most he of, does most a of, bad job. Most of the Titans don't do, don't acquit Ooh. themselves super well in this. Mal no. doesn't screw up. He says funny shit. He does. He's fine. Yeah, Mal does fine. So okay, yeah. Let's sorry. Sidetrack. Yeah, leg, you're leg injury. Yourself a little bit. But leg injury, which is not the first. I feel like leg injuries are something that writers use with Kid Flash a lot. Oh sure. Because otherwise, super speed is kind of a panacea to any situation, mm-hmm. and you can just well, well he uses a super speed, and there's no reason why he couldn't defeat anybody. But leg injuries specifically are something that all it seems to do, and it is a horrific leg injury. He is clamped on by a giant crocodile. A caiman. caiman. Yeah. And it drags him underwater. But, like, dude, that severs your... Like, his his leg should be barely there at this point. Mm. That thing is in tatters, I'm sure. And it drags him under, and then he punches it in the nose many times Mm -hmm. at super speed. And kicks it. And kicks it. Somehow. Maybe with his other leg. Yeah, but he's got two legs. Yeah. He's at least... That we know of. Underwater. Um, and he doesn't have sea strength and limbs. No. But he is moving at super speed, so. Probably. And he does so. say that the caiman has a tender nose. Yeah, that's true. He's going to kick him in his tender nose. I also didn't know that caimans had nests where they deposited all the other things that they have killed. Oh, here's the thing. I still don't know that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I just, you just assumed Haney did his research. Well, yeah, like always. Good call. Right. Thanks. So the, they're adventuring in the Yucatan. Just sorry. Before we move ahead, the the way in which he got his leg injured, I thought oh, you would yes. you would be amused by because they're using these long poles to. Oh, he straight up pole vaulted. Pole I think he was trying the to wrong show way, man, right into the Cayman's mouth. There is no reason that that would have like he's and trying he's to pull the thing, and he's like, "This isn't a big deal." Should have listened to Mal. I bet Mal could have given him some pointers on pole vaulting. Mm-hmm. Although he did pole vault right alongside Mal over that moat initially. Yeah, but yeah, he he ends up getting chomped on by the crocodile, and then Robin very reasonably is like, "We should probably get him to a doctor." And Wonder Girl's like, "Yeah, can't we just give him a band aid, put some antibiotics on him?" And Robin's find, like, yeah. "No, we should, what? What if it gets worse?" I found uh, myself agreeing with Robin on that one. I did too. But it was he was saner heads should have prevailed at that point. But then Wonder Girl starts crying, and Kid Flash is like, "Um." I'll be fine. Antibiotics, antibiotics. I just, you know, I, I won't be able to use my super speed, which is really what they were going for with that injury mm-hmm. anyway. Yeah. But, yeah, the wildlife in general, and also at that point, uh, Speedy had shot the caiman and killed it. Mm-hmm. Um, the wildlife does not do terribly well against the titans in this issue. Mm-hmm. Um, for people who have recently been on an ecology field trip, they are leaving more corpses than footprints. 
Mm. <laughs> <laughs> in self-defense, arguably. Yeah, I guess. Still, they have Amazonian strength and super speed for at least some of that, so... Yeah. Um, I, I think they could have defended themselves without killing these majestic and likely endangered animals. Uh, especially when Lilith gets a hunch and has Speedy try to shoot an eagle out of the sky, which eagle. fortunately he shoots a fish that the eagle is carrying. But that is another example of Speedy fucking up and not being as good a marksman. He doesn't hit the fish. He, he, he wings the, the wing of the harpy eagle, I which causes it, also... it to drop the fish. Okay. Because the eagle is carrying the fish. Yeah, but, but he was that trying was... to kill that eagle. He was trying to kill the eagle. He did a shitty job. But it was just a, it was the necessary plot device to move things okay. forward because the fish had swallowed. I misremembered. I thought that swallowed he had shot the, the fish. And then yeah. Mao's like, this fish will feed all of our ugly mugs. <laughs> and he's ready to gut it. And then the beetle's like, hey, don't stab me, man. Yeah, so the wildlife, they've, they've killed a jaguar, a caiman, a fish, and almost an eagle. And, spoiler alert, a giant bug and a giant salamander, kind of. Mm. Although I guess technically the giant salamander killed, it was a murder-suicide. Oh, man. Poor fellas. But I want to back up a little bit to how they got to the Yucatan. Sure. Now, how does the beetle show them where they need to go? Spinning globe, beetle wiggle, the globe stops when the beetle tells it to. Right. And the beetle is hanging from a chain over the right. Yucatan. What now, what's the problem with that as a method for finding a thing? I don't understand what you mean. You think it's perfectly reasonable? What? How the fuck do they know what the latitude is? Uh, it's not a fancy globe. They're just spinning it in one direction. Maybe the, do you know uh, globes that spin in other directions? I don't know. They probably got some like a high like end, a gyroscopic, like a, uh, like a good university globe. But I don't know. <laughs> so, it didn't appear to be. It seemed to be spinning on a single axis. So they are holding the thing in a fixed position. They must have already known the latitude, or it's a random latitude. Either way, not a great way to find where something is. Well, yeah, actually, hmm. This is another instance in where, sadly, the science in this just doesn't seem to check out. I know, I most, know. most globes, you know, use the equator horizontally, which, if that's the case, the Yucatan's going to be kind of down. Well, and from the position, it looked like they were clearly somewhere in the northern hemisphere. At least. Yeah. At least and in like, the it, it looked like they should have been, like, in Greenland or something. Yeah, getting, getting Arctic-y. Yeah. It's poor job. Why not just hold it over a map and, or like, just like, okay, wiggle the map around under it, mm -hmm. and well, because the beetle said to do that, like right? some kind of Ouija board type situation. He's like, hey, go spin a me a globe, and I'll tell you things. Yeah, Listen yeah, but fuck that beetle. Ugh. It's a bad plan. Yep. I mean, it worked out in its favor, briefly. Man, when Wonder Girl wakes up and she's expecting to see the giant golden warrior dude, and it's a, it's just a giant bug. Oh, and he's like, give me a kiss. Yeah, <laughs> that was so crazy. Yeah, yeah, just a crazy adventure that they went on. Do you have any thoughts about what was going on in this that you want to talk about? In terms of, is there a, a, a deeper meaning? or some, In terms of some... anything about the story that you want to talk about. Oh, okay. No, there are a couple things Okay, I have to get into. Okay. One, a salamander holding a sword is pretty awesome. Dude, a salamander holding a sword is totally awesome. Two, a sword that is a double sword is awesome. I don't uh -huh. think I've somehow ever seen that before. Yeah. No, that, that was, was pretty cool. It's, it's At first I thought it was just like, oh, is it just see-through in the middle? No. Mm -hmm. Double, like, tuning fork style exactly. sword. Exactly, yeah. Like, tuning, tuning fork broadsword. Mm -hmm. Pretty badass. Yeah, the whole thing about salamanders, I've seen it come up a few times in things. The idea that salamanders are related to fire somehow. Mm -hmm. Where did that come from? I believe it's because they're red. That's part of it. I, w I did a little bit of research. It turns out, like, this shit goes way back. It's in the Talmud. They talk about it. Wow. Uh, Pliny the Elder uh, talked about it in, in ancient Greece. And, like, it, it plays in there for whatever reason. The idea of salamanders having fire-resistant blood. Like, if you're like, oh, if you kill enough salamanders and coat your hands in it, then your hands will be fireproof. Uh, is a thing, and the idea of salamanders being born in fire is a thing. It's this weird mythology that I think got definitely reinforced during when they were making up a whole bunch of new weird mythology in the Middle Ages. Maybe people but found it's kinda cool. salamanders in like the ashes of things that had burned down and then cooled down. And figured that they had done it. Yeah. Probably. People used to be super dumb. Yeah. Like, 
Super dumb. Yeah. Yeah, that was that was weird. But no, you're right. That dude Salamander holding a giant sword and fighting a giant bug. Fighting a giant bug. <laughs> so silly. And exploding a giant fucking super cool fucking horned skull cave that appears in the middle of the fucking Yucatan. And when he blows it up, lightning shoots out of its skull eyeballs. Dude. That's pretty badass. That cave skull, that is like a playset waiting to happen. I would love to have a playset like that. Mm. It's crazy. I really enjoyed this story. I did too. It was a nice... Like, like I said, possibly the weirdest story we've done so far, and that is saying quite a great deal. Indeed. I think you're right. The time traveling with the caveman and the alternate present might be a little bit weirder. Mm-hmm. But, man. The gargoyle, gargoyle stuff got pretty weird, too, with the dimensions. and the... That got weird. That was It was just like, that was just dark and dreamlike and had almost an internal logic that, that it didn't, it was weird, but it didn't seem as goofy. You know, mm, his costume with the whole dish glove thing—that was that was definitely goofy. And, and the, the, the ring, that, yeah, the, the ring, the, 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 the tiny, tiny pliers, pliers <laughs> to destroy his ring. Oh, and how much he hates limbo. That came up in a later episode. I know, but it just <laughs> tickles me whenever I think of it. Yeah, he. Uh, I recently uh, did a guest appearance on a podcast that will be coming out in a couple of weeks. This. Uh, Ryan Daly Secret Origin podcast. You guys should all listen to it. It's great. But we talked about the third annual on that, and the gargoyle shows back up. Mm. And it's an issue from 1989, and that's where you find out that the gargoyle was actually Brom Stick the whole time. Ah, right. It's crazy. And they're making him out to be this giant, like, big bad villain that is the cause for this fucking 82 page issue. Mm. That is the entire history of the Teen Titans. Mm. And when it, there's the big reveal, I'm like, oh, that's so cool. It's the gargoyle. But also it's like, it's the fucking gargoyle. This should, he's not that difficult to defeat. Either you need island dance music or tiny pliers. Mm-hmm. Canonically, that is how you defeat this terrifying villain. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. With a little help from the Think Freak. With a little help from Think Freak. Mm-hmm. Yes. But, uh... Yeah, you should definitely check out, if you haven't already, the uh, Secret Origins podcast. It's a lot of fun. And, uh, yeah, if you wait a couple of weeks, uh, I'll be showing up on there. And who doesn't love to listen to me talk about things? (laughs) Nobody, that's who. Speaking of talking about things, Mm. what was your favorite slang? Oh, man. There was actually quite a bit said. There there was quite a bit. Uh, I have a clear winner. You have a clear winner? Yes. I'm going to let you go first. Oh, I got kind of a lot. Maybe you should... I I really, like, there was a lot going on. This time I just wrote down the one. Okay. So, at the beginning when they can't figure out where the disembodied voice coming from that lion statue is, uh, uh-huh. Lilith, has, is the, at the end of her sentences, that stone cat is still rapping. That cracked me up. Is they are uh, traveling on their hydrofoil hot raft through the river in the Yucatan. <laughs> I'm sorry, I just love that sentence. <laughs> I, it's There's no other way to... <laughs> no, there isn't. It. That's what they're on. And it also has like this, this hand-carved wooden sign above the top that says Jupiter, Jupiter Enterprises. Enterprises. Yeah. That's good. I like that. It's like I did too. Total fair trade. Like, yeah, well, he's deep into his personal brand. Yeah, it's not an imported sign. Uh, uh, but uh, Mal says, like, oh, weird turf, man. Like, uh, King Kong might be bopping around the next bend. That was great. My personal favorite is also by Mal. It is on page six, and it is when the Lady Titans have just recounted to their male counterparts what they witnessed with the golden warrior fighting the big red the big red salamander mm-hmm. as the stone lion narrates. It starts off, it's a rejoinder from Roy, who says, I'm dead against it, going off on some wild beetle chase because Donna's got some female fixations on an imaginary golden boy right mal and then mal says mm. check it's black power that's in gold power is out give me the dap wally mm-hmm. which i had to look it up dap is a fist bump basically oh really yeah so give me the dap means nux bro nice but so much better than that and they're like dancing while they're having they're, the conversation they're kind of dancing I, I think that might be because I think that might have been Art Saff, uh, who was doing the penciling on this, kind of hedging his bets, because I don't think he knew what Give Me the Dap was. Mm. He was like, sounds like a dance. 
Yeah, uh, give it the, give it the dab. Okay, I'll just make them kind of wiggling around <laughs> yeah. as they say it. Yeah, no, that was but that, that was, was my one. favorite. Uh, like what what else did you have? I had a a bit that I think uh, Lilith said, which was I think a great exclamation that I hadn't heard before, which is uh, "Angels and sorcerers defend us." I like that too. That's yeah. nice. That was a good one. Mal on page twenty two uses the phrase "pure awful." Yeah, I liked that too. I remember that. Mm-hmm. And then uh, there's another part in which Lilith says, uh, "I think it's in the context of I feel like pure awful." Because, you know, haven't we all at some point? Oh, God, yes. And then uh, lastly, Lilith says, I may have left out some punctuation, but I wrote down, I'm, I'm getting danger vibe. <laughs> just, I don't think you left it out. Let's just assume that that's what she said, because yeah. I like that. That cracked me up. So, yeah, no, there, there was a guy. If you had to pick a favorite, which you do, what is it? Let's see, yours is pretty good. I'm going to I'm gonna go with uh, Angels and Sorcerers Defend Us, even though it's not really slang. It's still, no, it's pretty. It's, it's a weird enough. exclamation, and I like it. It reminds me of... Uh, Thunder the Barbarian, Lords of Light. Oh my goodness! Demon dogs. Yeah. Wow. I haven't thought about that for far too long. Far, I would say probably a long time. Oh, Ukla the Mock would be so disappointed. Mm. So, panels because the, on this one I have a lot of panels that I wrote down that are just fucking great. There were so many. There were so many. I, I wrote down only only three. Okay, then I will start. The first one that I had written down was I called Tiny Battle, which is on page three. And it is, as has been referenced many times, the salamander fighting the golden warrior. Only in this version, that, that little bug is a fucking liar because he's carrying the double sword. When really, that's the salamander's weapon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that bug's a dick. That bug's a total dick. Yeah, but it's, yeah, it's this Conan-looking tiny golden figure fighting this menacing salamander who just looks like a salamander. Kind of dragon A little bit, but definitely a salamander. It looks a little bit like a Pokemon. Like, that that's kind of Charizardy. Is there a Pokemon called Mordron? Or some other creature that goes by that name? That, that oh, so is, <laughs> is there a Pokemon called Mordron or some other creature? I was like, there are definitely other creatures that are Pokemon. I know very little about Pokemon. I'm sorry. I can tell I'm disappointing <laughs> you. Yeah. Uh, it's possible. Listeners, if you know of a Pokemon named Mordron, seems like it might be one. Sounds like it. It sounds like Mordred, kind of. The bad guy from Arthurian legend. Mm. I but go, I it's a good name. I didn't, I didn't, no didn't, hits. Didn't, what, that I, is definitely not a Pokemon. I got a bunch of pictures of like a a thing that looked kind of like a beholder. Like the flying eyeball oh, yeah. from D&D. And hmm. then like some steampunk stuff. Anyway, yeah. Not relevant. Yeah, on, and please. then just pages and pages of tentacle porn. <laughs> <laughs> that's the internet. That's where I stopped. Yeah. Good for you. Thanks. Um, you're really growing up. <laughs> well. So yeah, that was the first one that I have because it is a really cool picture and it, it's a really nicely done image. The next one that I had, it, it's difficult to choose between these two panels and so I had them as a single thing, but it's as the Titans are first watching Mal get chomped by the Cayman mm. and it's their reaction shot because in this issue, a lot of the action happens off panel. Mm-hmm. But it's a, it's a reaction shot of all of the Titans who are not currently having their legs chomped by a crocodile. Speedy saying, oh my god! And Wonder Girl saying, ooh! And Robin saying, flash or look out! But they look genuinely horrified, especially Mal, mm-hmm. at what they are seeing. Mm-hmm. And then the second one is you see the what they are seeing, which is Kid Flash pole vaulting badly and getting <laughs> eaten by a crocodile. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's a really nice action page. So... That brings us to a tie for three each, so what do you have? This one, it's, it's kind of a weird choice, but I just, I really like the way it was drawn. It's on page 20, and I called it Sad Donna. No, I know what you're talking about. It's it the is... zoom up of her, of her face, where she's, she's just com- contemplating how, how things are, have all yeah. kind of gone to, starting to go to shit, mm-hmm. and she feels responsible, but it's one of the best jobs of them, with just a kind of simple line work really capturing in emotion yeah no they they do a really nice job i had on page 16 when they first get to the giant skull the three that i have left all have exclamation points on them and this one just said giant skull when i wrote it down and it is that is bad it is so badass it is thatched hut on a hydrofoil just drifting into this giant skull that has horns on it and it's awesome and really creepy looking 
It's kind of what is happening on the cover, although on the cover they're more shooting the rapids into this mm -hmm. giant horned skull's mouth. On the cover it almost looks like the skull is rising out of the water to eat them. Yes, yes. But that, yeah, on that panel that, that you picked, that's the kind of thing that if I saw that as a kid, like, it would have made me want to go, like, draw jungle adventure pictures forever. Yeah, it's and, it's really cool looking. And in that one, too, isn't there, like, a dude hiding in the eyeball? Yeah, that's called? Johnny Carpetbagger. Oh, it's old fucking Carpetbagger. Fucking that rich old hobo wizard. God, what a dick. God. He gets his comeuppance, though. Oh, he does. He gets blowed up real good. Yep. You have another, yes? I do. Let's go to page 17, and it's the panel which you may also have, which I called. <laughs> I do indeed. I titled it um, Big Bug Hug. I, 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 wrote, I titled it Bug Wants Hugs! <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, uh, it is this creepy, creepy giant gold beetle who somehow manages to look both, uh, I believe, to use your word, derpy, mm -hmm. and lecherous. Yeah, um, which is a terrible combination. It's an awful combination. And he is <laughs> he's basically saying, Dada, give me a kiss. Uh. He's saying, embrace me, my warrior girl. And uh, yeah, Wonder Girl is just like, what the fuck? She's actively running away and looking over her shoulder in total horror. Good Hera, preserve me, monstrous. You've become huge and monstrous, but, but. And then fucking evil hobo wizard shows up and is like, Ah, he was always a big bug. Yeah. I guess we lied to you. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, I had that one too. And then the final one that I had is page 23, uh, which is the Skull Island exploding. And there's a giant explosion specifically coming out of one of its eyes as the entire thing goes kapow. And somebody's yelling, look, lightning bolts splitting the skull's domain. Yeah, yeah, that's a pretty amazing, amazing It's panel. pretty great. What, what other one did you have? My final one was the panel above that one on page 23 that I titled Salamander versus Beetle. Oh, that's a really good one, too. And yeah, and it's so cool because it's this action shot with Donna running away in the foreground. And then in the background, it's got the salamander um, now holding his awesome double sword thing. Yeah. Um, getting ready to slice old uh, Beetle. Yeah, and he's calling him, now, Prince of Repulsion, we do battle again. Yeah, which is... It's great. If I ever get in a fight, hopefully I won't. But you're going to call I, the guy I, Prince of Repulsion? Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty good. Now we do battle. Yeah. No, that, nice. Then I'll get knocked out, and it'll be all Well, fun. you will, unless you have a double broadsword. Yeah. <sighs> that thing's so badass. Oh, man. So, who is your favorite Titan? Well, what I wrote was Wonder Girl, duh. Yeah? Okay, except for she does put them all in a lot of danger, and strangles another cat. I thought the way that she handled the jaguar attack was the most humane possible way to do things. The most humane way to possibly kill a jaguar? No, she just put it to sleep and then he floated to shore and he woke up and he was fine. What? She said he'll numbly, he'll numbly float away. <laughs> and I was like, oh, he'll be fine. No way. She killed that fucking cat. She says have to end this quickly. In the next panel? As he's, his oh, silhouette he'll float, is float numbly. Okay, I'm sorry. That spotted terror is a tame tabby now. He'll float numbly away, then be no worse for wear. Exactly, he'll be no worse for the wear. Bullshit, Donna. She killed that fucking cat. Anyway, uh, she's... <laughs> it's, yeah, I'm not going to argue that. She has a history of cat strangling. And uh, I think also, though, she's like really the titan that drives the, the whole story She does forward. drive the story. I, I... And, and I feel like she... She makes some bad decisions, for sure, but I also yeah. think she was under the sway of some, some weird beetle magic. She, she is, so. but because she doesn't have agency in the story that she stars in, really, I, I Which have the... difficulty mm. giving her the nod. But um, she, I, she I does think it she the end, she, she turns it around. Exactly. Yeah, so she gets back her agency and then, and then turns things around. Okay, I'm going to say, I'm going to go in a weird direction, I'm going to say it's Kid Flash. He does a bad job pole vaulting, mm. which is a shame. Mm -hmm. But he shows a lot of courage. Deciding that because he doesn't want Donna to cry, that he is willing to travel through the Amazon on a crocodile-chomped leg that is probably infected, and Weird continue this this adventure and try to see things through. I, I really appreciate it, and you know, he showed at least he had tried to do some. At least he tried to do some pole vaulting in this issue, hmm. which is more than I can say for anybody else. Okay, yep. that's so, that's fair. All right, so. 
What do you think Aqualad's up to? What Aqualad is up to is he is, um, by virtue of his sea-strengthened legs and swimming, made his way to uh, Silicon Valley, nascent Silicon Valley, hmm. and is in, he's in Sunnyvale, California, at Andy Capp's Tavern. What? Andy Capp? Andy Capp's Tavern, with it with a C, not a K. Oh, that's how Andy Capp spells his name, okay. with a C. Thank goodness. So, same, the, same place. Same guy. Yeah. My God. Waiting. That guy is an asshole. Well, I mean, his hot fries are delicious, but he is a bit of a... He beats his wife up all the goddamn time. Yeah. Not just a misogynist. Abusive. Yeah. Thug. Yeah. Anywho, Aqualad probably doesn't know that. And what he is doing at Andy Capps Tavern in Sunnyvale, California in December of 1972 is waiting in a long line to play Pong, Oh, which is where it was... um, the game was basically unveiled for for the first time by a co-founder of Atari. Mm, interesting. Very interesting. Yeah, probably drinking a water. Mm, right. Got to stay nice hydrated. Nice tall glass of water. Oh, that's very interesting. It is also wrong. Mm. I'm sorry, Corey. Okay. What, Let me tell you what Aqualad is up to. Sure. We have to go back a little bit. Okay. Aqualad, starting in October has been volunteering at some old folks' homes, because he's a nice guy. Wow. And he's run into this guy named Kent Thurston. And he's hanging out with Kent Thurston, the guy talking. He shares his secrets. He's an older gentleman. Mm-hmm. Uh, used to be a DC hero called the Invisible Hood, who had a hood of invisibility that he uh, had acquired, and he used it to fight Nazis. And through the, the these talks, he becomes very close, and he becomes a bit of an advocate for, uh, for geriatric rights. Mm-hmm. Um, then something happens in November of uh, 1972. Do you know what that is? Mm, Nixon stopped Nixon Vietnam? No, Nixon won start? his re-election. Oh, okay. And Aqualad did what a lot of people would do, would like to do. Canada? Better. The moon. <laughs> the final U.S. moon landing mission, the final man to walk on the moon mission, left in December. Mm. And Aqualad was pretty much like, fuck this planet. They're going to elect Nixon over McGovern? I am out of here. Mm. And Kent said, well, if you really want to leave the planet, here's my old invisible hood. So he gives him this cloak of invisibility. Aqualad takes a page out of Mal's notebook, Mm -hmm. sneaks aboard the space shuttle, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. goes aboard what was supposed to be another routine moon landing. Mm -hmm. Two guys come up, land on the moon, but... There's some shit going on. They're they're heavier than they should be. There's somebody's drinking all of their water, but they can't see anybody. Mm. They think the moon is haunted. Oh jeez. So they decide. Look, guys, I'm glad we got to make it to the moon, but that place is fucked. Mm. Aqualad, when he's up on the moon, he's like, I really didn't think this through. I don't want to spend the rest of my time on the moon. There's no water up here. Mm-hmm. So after these astronauts left. I would have like an hour tops because mm-hmm. I still haven't figured out how to use a goddamn canteen. Mm-hmm. So he decides to get back on the shuttle, but the word has gone out at this point through to all the other astronauts that the moon is filled with scary ghosts. Mm-hmm. And that is why the U.S. has not had another man walk on the moon since December of 1972. And that, Corey, is what Aqualad was up to. That is a good story. I don't think they're mutually exclusive. <laughs> How can he be playing Pong while he's haunting the moon? I think, I think <laughs> after he left Andy Capps. <laughs> I think actually at Andy Capps. I don't think Aqualad would go into a place saw, called Andy Capps. Because he has been in England. He has read the Andy Capp comic strip. I don't and think he so. knows that Andy Capp is an abusive and, son of a and bitch. He, that, and he saw on the TV that, that Nixon was, you know, winning. And he just got, got out of there and yeah. went to the moon. No. That's maybe what I, that's what I think happened. It's awfully busy. That's <laughs> oh, what we have to work with. Fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I think that brings us to the end of our adventure. Yes, this issue. Mm. Man, once again, we are coming to the end, fast approaching the end of the Haney run. I think we have two more issues left. Oh, that is sad. Um, I know, but I think you're going to like the Rosakis era. Okay. Um, Been a lot of fun, and uh, let's look forward to more fun next week. Shall we? Let's. Mm. Goodbye. Bye. And they knew it.
somebody we forgot. We forgot. You might like to get in touch with us. I would actually love it if you could get in touch with us. We've gotten some really nice emails this week. We had one from what I've got to believe is a burner email account that uh, this guy set up just to contact me and probably, I don't know, murder some people or do a drug deal. Uh, but it was Beaky. Uh, contacted us and actually asked if we were, in fact, real brothers or not, because there are times when we seem to know nothing about each other's upbringing, uh, <laughs> and yet we purport to be brothers. How can this be? I'll tell you how it can be. We are, in fact, stepbrothers. Mm. We met when I was, like, nine or ten years old, I think, uh, when our parents mm -hmm. hooked up, and so we've known each other for quite some time now, um, and have been brothers quite some time and are in fact brothers mm. um but legally not genetically and yeah we didn't really hang out all that much until we were at least teenagers mm -hmm. and yeah have been fast friends and brothers ever since uh so there you know the rest of the story that's the story mm -hmm. but we've gotten some really nice other uh emails and uh, I, I really appreciate hearing from you guys whenever I do. So if you would like to get in touch with us, please do. The email address is ttwasteland at gmail.com. If you want to leave us a review on iTunes or Stitcher, that would be great. I always appreciate those. It makes it easier for people to find us and uh, makes us a more popular podcast, which is nice. And yeah, if you want to give me some money, uh, you can do that at patreon.com backslash ttwasteland. And... You know, just if you want to type it into the internet, there's probably a way to find us one way or another. We've got a Facebook page, a Tumblr blog. You should probably sign up for, like, Instagram and... Oh, yeah. There's probably other things, things these days. Twitter. Oh, yeah. That's I'm a not one. even on Twitter. It's weird. Mm. I think I avoided it because it sounds like the name of, like, a future drug that would be in a RoboCop movie. Oh, yeah. Don't touch Twitter, man. Yeah, man. Those kids are hooked on Twitter. You take that once. Boom. Tweeted. Zap. Pow. Ice. Not good. Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> But I should probably hook a, get onto that. <laughs> yeah, hook a Twitter. Yeah, we're going to go get hooked on Twitter. I think that wraps things up again. Yeah, and for those of you perhaps more savvy than us with social media. Yeah, do, if you just want to tweet about us or uh, on, on your on your Twit boxes. I was going to say, uh, feel feel free to suggest other other venues, but, but yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah no, just uh, talk about us on the internet. It's nice. Yeah. Everybody likes being talked about on the internet, oh, except yes. celebrities. They're so stuck up. No kidding. Yeah. Good thing we're not those. Yeah. And never will be. Please make us celebrities. <laughs> Good uh, times. Yeah, it's fucking hot. I'm going to go drink some more of this shitty watermelon beer. Me too. Bye. <laughs>